And hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 75 of the weekly Yes And podcast. I am your host, Travis Thomas, the creator of Live Yes And. You can check me out at Live Yes And uh, on social media as well as liveyesand.com. So episode 75, I am excited to talk to Eric from Denmark. And the reason I just say Eric from Denmark is because his last name is Danish. And um, uh, if if you are an American like I am, you might want to pronounce it uh, Ostergaard, but that's not how it's really pronounced. And so as you can see from the interview, I butcher it and Eric corrects me. And uh, even though my attempt to get it right, I still don't. So let's just say Eric from Denmark. Eric's actually from Copenhagen. Uh, he and I have met each other a few times at the World Blue Summits uh, in Miami the last couple of years. Eric is uh, an inspirational, uh, very intelligent uh, a leader. He, he teaches leadership. He teaches management. And uh, he's been doing this for, for many, many years over in Denmark. And uh, it was great to sit down and have a conversation with him about his perspective on leadership, uh, sort of what the future of leadership looks like. And uh, ta-da, there is the title of this week's podcast, The Future of Leadership. And so we dig in, we have some fun, and uh, we get uh, Eric's perspective about what the future of leadership looks like. So uh, let's jump into that. But before we do, I want to remind you that I am offering another Get Unstuck in 10 Days. The next one will be July 10th. July 10th, uh, the great, uh, a great opportunity during your summer to jump in, get unstuck in some area of your life, and begin to thrive. And so that starts July 10th. Go to events on my website to... Uh, to sign up, it's only $20. And uh, anyone interested in some summer clarity coaching, right? I have uh, some special offers going on right now for that. Uh, basically, uh, for those of you who uh, were not a part of the Get Unstuck program, for those of you who were, they get a, an even more discounted package. But if you were not and you would like a 60-minute clarity call to get very clear and to get unstuck in one aspect of your life, uh, that call is only $100 this summer. You can contact me uh, on the website and we can get that scheduled. And so would love to talk to you and help you get unstuck. And uh, I think that's it, right? Of course, my book out there, Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And, is available on Amazon. And uh, if you haven't read that yet, what the, what, well, I was going to say, what the, what the perfect book, uh, what the perfect summer reading book. So check that out on Amazon. So... Let's jump in. We're going across the pond, way across the pond. You know, I'm half Finnish, uh, so, uh, but that's not Danish, right? That, that's really lame of me to lump all of the Nordic countries in together. So I'm not even going to go there. Uh, so let's jump into this interview, episode 75 of the Weekly Yap with Eric from Denmark. And welcome, everyone, to the weekly Yes And podcast all the way from Denmark. I have Eric. Here comes Eric. Eric, Ustaga. Ustaga. No. Ustago. That's very oh, It is. It is. You know, I mean, yes. and uh, to those of you listening, he even gave me the pronunciation offline. And uh, I'm, anyone who's seen me do improv comedy, Eric, they know that I'm, I'm horrible with, uh, with accents. And so, therefore, it makes sense that I would be horrible at a, uh, at a Danish pronunciation. Aladani's name, yeah, let me help you out on that one. It's Eric Korsvik Ustokol. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to call you Eric. Do that. 
Eric, thanks so much for taking the time. So tell me, so uh, for those of us uh, here in the U.S., uh, as I'm recording this uh, uh, Eastern time here in the United States, it's 2 o'clock my time. What time is it there in uh, Denmark? It is uh, 8 o'clock in the evening. It's beautiful summer night or pre-summer night, and uh, I'm just uh, happy to be here with you. Well, it's great to have you. And, uh, uh, you know, you and I have connected, uh, is it at two of the World Blue Conferences or just the one? Have you been, you were at the last, you were at the last few, correct? I have been at two, yes. I, I was at the, uh, what, uh, yeah, 2015 at first yep. and 2016 uh, at the last time. So, yeah. Perfect. So, anyone listening, you guys know that I've, uh, uh, have Matt Matheson on here before we've been we've talked about World Blue. It's it's something that I've talked about a lot. I continue continue to do some World Blue coaching. Um, we've had Tracy Fenton on here uh, with World Blue, and so uh, so Eric, so great to connect with you. Please tell everyone sort of what you're up to right now, what you're working on, and, and what your specialty is. Yeah, speaking of World Blue, let's let's take it there and, yeah. and then rewind because actually today I have been uh, giving a public speech. Uh, on the responsive leader, which is uh, my passion right now. I, I love working with leadership in large Danish companies. Those kind of leaders who transform from the old, say, the hierarchical, Tayloristic mm-hmm. micromanagement style into something new. And today, actually, I've been uh, presenting what World Blue is to these leaders. Oh, we fantastic. went through the 10, the ten principles of democracy and freedom at work and uh, the whole build-up to that when it comes to uh, change in technology, change in society, new demands from uh, from new generations, uh, robotics that helps us as leaders, all that led up to an an in-depth debate on uh, freedom at work and world blue. So that's, uh, that's a part of what I do these days. Fantastic. And and, and and for those of you who are listening who are unfamiliar with World Blue, or this is the first time you've, you've listened to the podcast, um, <clears throat> World Blue is an organization that that helps companies, that helps leaders, uh, that helps cultures within organizations uh, uh, really sort of trans uh, transform from a fear-based culture or a fear-based mindset into a freedom-based culture or a freedom-based mindset uh, with a lot of that focus on leadership. And so, Eric, you working in the world of leadership all these years, uh, what was your introduction to World Blue? Uh, because, you know, I've, I've, I've read a lot of your work online and, and I can see how you know, you really just sort of align overall with with that philosophy and, and that mindset. So, what was your sort of first introduction to World Blue? Oh, that's a good question. I, th- I think it either it was uh, via LinkedIn, okay, or it was via Twitter, one of those two channels. And it, it might have come from uh, from uh, Perry Timms or somebody like that who is mm-hmm. very active on that. Uh, I do believe it was some kind of online source that drove us there. And uh, we we went, and the first time we were there, it was really, really good. It was uh, an epiphany. It was like the pieces of the puzzle fell in place. And all the things that I have been working on personally for, well, since 2012, uh, it, it, it just made sense. Back in... Back in 12, I uh, was headhunted to a, a position um, in a large Danish energy company. Um, at that time, I just wanted to do it differently. Mm. There were some books that I read about leadership, about new ways of doing it. One of them was called Unboss, 
which is kind of a nice term for getting rid of the old uh, hierarchy, getting rid of uh, systems and stuff like that. And I just took that um, that approach and I used it. And I, I used it without toolings, without uh, experience, but with a lot of courage. And uh, two huge learnings from doing that. Yeah. One, failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt Matheson will, will appreciate hearing this. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the church so, of fail. So, yeah. Exactly. So many failures and mistakes, but uh, fast learning from them. And the second learning was it really works. People are so happy working in, in with freedom at work and stuff like that. People are happy working with a clear purpose of what we do. Mm-hmm. People are happy working with a lot of um, um, uh, delegation and mandate and empowerment and, and commitment. So from, from that time, I set more and more space off uh, in what I did to promote this kind of thinking. Uh, both uh, because people asked me about what is my tools and uh, then I kind of had to write them down yeah and then I then I started doing uh, doing keynotes for free and that turned into keynotes that people were willing to pay for and then I just uh, said okay I'm gonna make a business of this uh, and started gradually and uh, now this is uh, this is what I do I teach people responsive or modern leadership looking into the future of, uh, of work Oh, that's that's so. I mean, it, it really, in, in in a short amount of years here, you went from having this idea that things there there's got to be a different way of doing things into mm-hmm. trying some some new ideas, having a complete sort of transformation, and, and deciding to sort of commit one hundred percent to it. Mm-hmm. So, what was it? What was it that you were experiencing, sort of, in the corporate world up to that point that was giving you this feeling that you know what the this just isn't the best way to do things what was what was the biggest sort of resistance you were running into mm, good good question i uh, think during my during my first years when i after my my thesis i uh, i'm an engineer uh, and I did a thesis in uh, in chaos mathematics back in, in 99 uh, Huge nerd when it comes to math. <laughs> the only—it's funny you—you you mentioned what chaos mathematics. All I can think of yeah. is Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park talking Spot about on. chaos theory. Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> from that, I I went into the field of uh, of software. I was a software technician, writing code and uh, being an an. Um, an architect taking more and more responsibility of the people side of things, uh, both uh, on teams and uh, when it comes to leadership and when it came to working with clients. Uh, and there was kind of a change in that uh, in the middle of the 2000s, where I, I went into a, a really strict uh, corporate world with uh, red tape, with uh, strict governance, with, uh, with hierarchies, with uh, also with corporate fears and what else comes with it. And there's, there's kind of two things to it. One is it's a really good schooling. Mm. for knowing how to behave in that kind of, uh, of a world. And I, I do like hierarchy at some points because it, it really provides safety. Mm-hmm. It really provides predictability and efficiency. If you are like working with medicine, which we did at the time, it's really good to have something that is predictable because you want the drug to be the same at the same time, all the time. And then the, I 
just saw that the amount of uh, internal politics and red tape and and uh, governance was to some degree a hindrance for creativity for well-being and there was other ways of doing it and we started to experiment with that and that kind of led me into thinking that there would be and there should be other ways of doing it and and it's not to say that uh, well i have been flirting with going in the total opposite direction where there is like no rules and we're just here for the fun and we are here for the purpose and and it it has has the same kind of flaws. Yeah. So so what I see is is the leader who understand both sides, both the 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 white and the black side, mm-hmm. and both the <clears throat> the hierarchy and the uh, holacracy, to put it that way. Yeah. Those, that, that leader who understands how to mix this. Yeah. That's the kind of leader who can really thrive in this world, and that's what I actually succeeded in doing uh, around uh, uh, 2012, 13, 14. Now, so I want to ask you a little bit about about that. Sort of what what were the one or two things that you that you shifted right away? But before I ask that, it's interesting to your point about finding that balance be sort of between sort of. Um, Structure and uh, I don't want, I don't want to say freedom per se, but structure and unstructure. I guess you know it, it's right. you know even in the in the world of improvisation, there's the misconception that improvisation there's no structure to it, and the re, the reality is right <clears throat> when you have actually some structure around what you're doing, that's where the real creativity and innovation comes from, is mm-hmm. when you're having to create within the constructs of um, of a plan of some limitations compared to everything just being sky is the limit, right? There's nothing that sort of holds you in. And so, I, and I love that idea. I think on the last podcast uh, with the other speaker, I, we, we, we both, we went to this conference and they were talking about the difference between, you know, if, if the culture is a river and on one bank you have um, structure and on the other bank you have spontaneity. If you go too far in structure, you have rigidity. If you go too far into spontaneity, you have chaos. So it kind of sounds, it's, it's finding that sort of that balance in between that is, yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah, that, that finds where it's, it's uh, yeah, it's giving, it's giving people the safety of structure, but also that freedom to be creative at the same time. Yeah, yeah. spot on. Yes, um, I think that uh, there's some, uh, there's some key components in the structured work that we uh, demolish and replace with something else, mm-hmm. um, like the hierarchy, mm. uh, which is good for some things, but it, it's it's um, it's a great idea to have it replaced or at at points in your organization replaced with something else um, to allow each individual team in an, an organization to uh, flock together in the way that fits them. Is really great because there are some people who would really like uh, uh, chaos, if you put it like that, or really like to have um, uh, a flat organization yeah. around them, or to have a lot of energy, or to have a, have a lot of inspiration. Um, and there are people who would really like to have the stringent uh, standard operating procedure way of doing things. And and if, if you are capable of 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 swing, swinging between those in a good way, then you can uh, you can uh, you can cater it to different people's needs. It's not like one size fits all because right. it's 
it's in the future that we're looking in that it's not one size fits all. It's each individual's uh, needs that uh, has to be catered to. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, so there's a there's a whole variety of skills that you need to master as a leader. Whereas one is extreme situational leadership, mm-hmm. both when it comes to individuals and with teams. So let's talk about some of those those skills, Eric. Um, when it comes to what you see as sort of being sort of an effective or, or a future leader, uh, mm-hmm. what what is that skill set, or or what are some of those skills that that are just uh, extremely important? Yeah, um, I look at it from from this angle. We define five principles of work, and we look at five application areas. And when you combine those two, you have yeah, you have five to five. You have twenty-five areas that you combine mm-hmm. and look at as this is you, what you need to master. And it it sounds maybe complex, but when you when you make a a grid of application, you can really see where you need to uh, invest uh, time and money to harvest some of your skills. And let's just take those five principles uh, of the future of work. The first principle is people first. You need to understand that it's all about people. It's not customers first. It's not employees first. It's people. Mm. People buy from people. People interact with people. The second principle is meaningfulness. Mm-hmm. It has to make sense what we do. The third principle is continuous innovation. The fourth principle is an insatiable drive for results. Mm-hmm. And the fifth is that everybody has the possibility to take a lead. Everybody should be given the possibility to dive into new ways of, uh, of deploying themselves to be innovative. Uh, even if you're, you're the uh, youngest employee, you will have the possibility to take a lead on, on, on new areas or we need to exploit what you really want to do. So one of the things that you need to be able to master as a leader is to understand people. Yeah. Your, pe- your people skills, your emotional intelligence, uh, your your ways of being a coach, a mentor is uh, on my list. It's on the top, absolutely top of what you need to master. Yeah, you need to understand how to create uh, energy towards a shared uh, purpose. Then you need to be able to um, uh, to experiment, to take some chances, like. Improv. So the connection between leadership, as you uh, you teach it yourself, and uh, and uh, it, it, I think it just fits perfectly together the the frame that, that you're working in and uh, the way that we work with it. And yeah, you just I mean talking about again just the uh, uh, the leader and the the need for social skills, people skills. I mean again we're talking about this really, you know, from a from a corporate standpoint, but. You know, whether you're talking about a, a teacher in the classroom, a coach on the athletic field, uh, um, a parent, right? It, it's, it's like these that skill set of, of understanding how to connect with the people that you're working with seems seems to just be universal. You know, it's not just yeah. this this is a corporate sort of this is a corporate mindset or corporate principles. Yeah, absolutely. But when you look back, like like uh, twenty or thirty years back. From what we've been through, there has been a a, a, a fascination with technology, yeah. and I really I love technology. I have a I have hired a robot in our company because I wanted to test it. Uh, we have our, our internal HR company is a robot. Nice story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to hear more about this robot, Eric. Yeah, yeah. 
I bet you do. We'll come back to him. He's called Leo. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Uh, since we have been focused so much on technology over the last years, the the drive for understanding people, the drive for being able to engage yourself, to be interconnected with, with people, it, it takes a new place with the aid of technology. And I think that now we come back to Leo, which is our our robot. <laughs> Leo, yeah, Leo is a a, um, a well-being robot, if you can say it like that. He uh, every week uh, he goes out to our employees and then he asks them how they feel, and he has like twenty-eight, thirty-eight uh, standard questions that he 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 asks five of those to us. And then he comes back to to us with a dashboard of, hey, this is what your company looks like right now. And that's a, okay, he's a pretty standard robot. He's, a, he's, he's stupid in that sense that he <laughs> asks questions and then he comes back with a dashboard. But here's, here's the beauty thing. Based on that, he compares your characteristics with a big data and database, database and then he comes with suggestions to what I should do as a leader. And he totally removes that confirmation bias that I would have if if you and I were to have the one-on-one -on -one conversation on a regular basis. We might tend to talk about the same things. I play jazz, you do improv, you do coaching, so-so. So we, we would have a confirmation bias. But Leo comes in and then he, he asks all the odd questions too. So that confirmation bias is gone. Then the second layer of it, when he comes with suggestions he provokes us to say okay is the robot really right or is, <laughs> has he calculated something different because we cannot look under the hood to see how he's calculating things to say you and i travis we need to have a more in-depth conversation about the strategy was well we just had that yesterday yeah so yeah it's a i think it's a really uh, to be honest, I, I really like it because it, it provokes us into considering uh, software and uh, artificial intelligence as an assistant to what we can do as leaders because he can really see things that we cannot due to our confirmation bias. I'm a huge fan. So is Leo, is Leo an actual physical thing or is it just a, a computer program? It's a piece of software. It's a software. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I love, and so it just it's it, it, uh, so how, how what's the interaction interface it's a uh, well he can be deployed in 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 several ways either he lives purely on email but he also lives on our our slack channel yeah so he pops up as a as a slack user and uh, he, he's not there yet where we can chat with him He's really stupid when it comes to chatting, <laughs> but but uh, he pops us up, up as a regular user and in a chat in a private uh, Slack channel. He asks me how I how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Not not what not what are you doing, but how you feel. Just you know to get that to get a very sort of yeah. baseline emotional response of, of how you're doing right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Eric, how do you think that um, coming with a with a technological background that you come from? And working in the world of leadership, how do you think that that technology is 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 sort of leading a transformation um, in how leadership is changing? Do you feel that it's playing sort of an active part uh, in exposing how leadership needs to change? Mm, yeah, I I absolutely do think so. Uh, tech is um, tech is both a hindrance at time 
and it's a huge uh, um, advantage. Uh, I think the, the, the great thing about tech is that it, it actually scales really well down to the individual. It scales down to specifically your needs where you are right now. It, it gives you the possibility to be an individual in a world that is just uh, where we all the same. Mm-hmm. It also gives us the possibility to, to be mobile, uh, to, to design the way that we work to how we would like to interact with people. So I think it pushes us, uh, I think the best it does is that it pushes us to question. Yeah. To question, do I really need to do this now? Uh, I have the ability to work anywhere, anytime. Uh, so it, it pushes us to stop and ask, what's the best way that I can work? And what's the best way that I can be myself in the way that I work? Mm-hmm. And let's go back to 2000. Let's go back to 2012 as you are pondering and thinking about some of these different ideas, leadership principles. Um what was sort of what were some of the early things that that you tried that you tried to adapt that you saw had had an immediate impact or saw that yeah there really is something to this different way of thinking yeah good question i think the the first thing that i did when i took over uh, the department there and also the 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 thing with the most with the highest impact was to talk about purpose mm. See, the, the, the company that I was hired into uh, is an energy company. Mm-hmm. That was, at that time, and actually still is now, undergoing a transformation black, from, from, uh, from uh, coal-based energy to, to wind-powered energy. And that transformation from, from black to green energy was a narrative that I used uh, at every and literally every team meeting, every one-on-one, every project, every service organization, every element that we worked with uh, had to be framed uh, to create something that supports the purpose. Mm. Even if we are putting metadata on a piece of document in SharePoint, even if we were uh, aligning software or if, if working with engineers, even with, when we were having off-site meetings, we always made sure that we did that to support the purpose. Yeah. And it had, it had two major effects, uh, two and a half maybe. One is that it's... It, it, it created a sense of direction. We definitely knew why we were here. It created a sense of belonging. We are here to go in that direction, to yeah. save the world, actually. The second thing is, on the individual level, it helped them prioritize their energy. And then I could see uh, on the third element that it, it actually uh, had a ripple effect to the other de- to the other departments that we interacted with. That they started looking at us. Oh, you are so you are so clear on what you do. We would like to learn how to do that. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, immediately, right? You, not only not only could you see the impact, the team could see the impact, and other teams were seeing the difference in in, in how you all were operating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so from there, sort of, yeah, obviously your eyes are open to sort of, you know, there's something to this. What, uh, you know, where were you sort of inspired to go from that point? It was, uh, it was definitely delegation, and it was definitely uh, uh, transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, building a 
having a huge whiteboard behind my desk with uh, all the projects that we were monitoring, not all of those that we were, were, were managing, but those that we chose to monitor in that period. Uh, and they were up there with uh, six, uh, um, six vital signs, scope time, cost, quality, risk and resources that we monitored for those projects. And just doing that and flagging that we are in red, that, that we, are, we need help over here, mm. that we are behind time or that we miss a, a deadline because we focus all our, our energy to save this project over here who is in all green, on scope, on time, on budget and the people are happy over here. So to show to my leaders and my peer leaders that we had a strict prioritization, which meant that some of our, our ships were sailing good, some of our ships were sailing poorly. That was a, that was a good move, that kind of transparency. Excellent, yes. And as you, uh, we, we talked a little bit offline here before we got started that, uh, that you're currently sort of working on working on a project. You're you're writing a book. What can you tell us about uh, the book that you're writing, and and what's the inspiration behind it? Well, the inspiration is actually that uh, I've been talking about this subject for well five years, mm -hmm. and um, I was talking to my business partner saying, now we kind of need to grow our impact in in the world. And there were several ways that that we could do that, and. One of the ways was to write a book, and uh, then we just uh, we kind of got stuck, <laughs> uh, and we had to do that. Okay, uh, yes, we know we're here, and let's write the book. <laughs> Thank so, you for that. Uh, Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, we, the idea was was uh, was lurking for a half a year, and then I got in contact with some publishers and uh, in. I, did, I think we did two months of negotiation with the publisher and, and then we say, okay, we did. And then uh, I started writing 1st of April-ish and uh, it's now one and a half months in and it's coming good. I have to deliver the manuscript in uh, in August and it will be out uh, February 2018 and uh, with a provisional title of The Responsive Leader, which kind of sums up what I think everybody, every leader should uh, should master, that kind of responsiveness. So, the, yeah, the responsive leader compared to the, the reactive leader, right? Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent. And so, so the responsive leader. And so for you personally, Eric, you know, uh, um, what, it, what, what was it for you or what is it for you that, that just kind of continues to motivate and inspire you to do this kind of work? Oh, it's the feedback. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, the, the lousiest weeks that I have is those where I don't get feedback from the mm. customers. Where, where, where you have been out and you have given a keynote to say 100 leaders and the yeah, you can see them smile, but the feedback just doesn't come. Yeah. Or, or you've been working in depth with the with a book or writing a blog post, and you don't. When you don't understand what kind of value you create, when you don't have that feedback loop, I think those are the worst weeks. But mm. when I just as today, I I gave the keynote today, and immediately people just reacted with smiles and with open eyes, and came up backwards and said it was inspiring. Got connections right now on on LinkedIn. That's what really drives me. It's it's to see that people understand what I do, what kind of message I want to deliver, and that I actually move them. Yeah. 
I think that is what I live for. That's what drives me to do this. And uh, so many hours a week. When you have your own business, as you know, it, it, it takes long hours. It takes uh, a lot of energy. And uh, then you are just really like, uh, you, you're really glad when, when, when you get, uh, when the people that you work for get value out of it. Yeah. And I know you talked about, obviously, purpose is one of your key ideas. You know, purpose is the first thing you went to back in 2012. When you think about yourself and your own, your own individual sense of purpose, you know, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, I would really like it to be well it has to be awesome to go to work mm-hmm. and it's it really sounds so simple and banal but it's it's so complex to everybody has to have a, a work that's awesome to be at it has to be great to go to work at at, at monday and, and not that thank god it's friday and i hate to, to get to work at at, at monday morning uh, i know that there is dreadful times from time to time but overall, it has to be awesome to go to work. That's what—that's my mm-hmm. personal purpose. Uh, that's what I fight for. And you talked about uh, as far as you know, as far as the uh, the future leader, and uh, or just you know the current leader. But um, the, the those people skills sort of being kind of the top priority. What what do you see in in the work that you've done with organizations and with leaders? What do you think is is the biggest obstacle that gets in the way of leaders um, really having a positive impact? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of thought you would ask that question. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, it's a classic. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's two things that hinders people in actually transforming. One is uh, their own expectation to themselves, and if they allow themselves to fail. Hmm. The second hindrance is surroundings. If you are in a corporate world, say with. 10,000 employees and you are a middle manager, you are vice president somewhere in the middle, you are surrounded by um, by connections and expectations and the KPIs and to break that, I think that is a hindrance. I was so lucky to work uh, with a guy in, in uh, the largest Danish bank and uh, he, he was a uh, kind of in the middle uh, and his leader just above him was in the top segment and and he said we want to do this differently we really want to do it and they the best uh, tool that they have was quote unquote an umbrella to hide what what their to to, to shelter their employees mm. to say okay we will take the heat if heat comes yeah. but we in our department we want to do this differently yeah and so there, there's, there's two hindrances a personal hindrance and the surroundings mm. expectations from the surroundings okay and what would you say from your from your experience if you could recommend one leadership tool like one leadership tool that someone listening to this who's in a leadership position right now could could just try to put into practice that would that would have a that would have an impactful difference trust people trust people and and, trust people and 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 how do you what is what is the what is the easiest maybe not easy but what is what is the best way to really start to uh, uh create that trust Start small, absolutely. Start with one tiny thing that you you would like to delegate to somebody else. If if you spot this guy in the corner, John, and, and you can see he's really talented, then go and ask him and, and hey, John, could, 
wouldn't you like to have this task? I've been working for this for years. Why don't you, you take my task? Why don't I just delegate to you? And I know you have not tried this before. Let us have a touch point tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. I would really like to help you. Yeah. So when you delegate, there are several levels of delegation that you can have from the, the, the strict, I, I tell you what to do. Uh, through we agree on what to do and to the full delegation with mandate and understanding that there are like seven levels of interaction and delegation in that it makes it safe for you to trust the person that you delegate to so trust first absolutely fantastic no that's uh uh yeah we're singing each other's praises, singing each other's choirs there, Eric. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, I'm being sensitive of the time here, Eric, and I know that uh, it's a little bit later where you are than, than where I am here. Um, I've got your website here, and, I, and I'm happy I'm going to sh- put it in a link for the podcast. But uh, any other ways that you would want people to uh, connect with you online? Yeah, the best way to catch me is either on Instagram or on Twitter or LinkedIn. And uh, my Instagram handle and the Twitter handle is the same. Um, and that is Eric Kustergaard, not the U, but with the Q instead of the U. So that's, uh, that's the international way of doing it, I'll say. Okay, uh, So um, I, I use those channels on a daily basis, and that's the best way to do that. Excellent, excellent, and yeah, I'll, I'll have you send me some of those uh, links to make sure that I link them properly here in the uh, the podcast as well. Uh, well, Eric, uh, thanks so much. Uh, um, I, I feel like we've we've got to end we've got to end on something here, right? Give me give me the uh, the most interesting uh, or the most unusual tactic or tool that you have seen or you've practiced yourself um, with a, with an organization or team. That that maybe you were skeptical ahead of time, or or you just had no idea it was going to have this type of impact. Anything come to mind? Yeah. Okay. Good one. Uh, this is a real case. I I worked with a leadership group who was to present uh, the new strategy for 600 employees uh, in was it three months time, and and they wanted to do something differently. Now, you know that I play jazz. I I mean musician so yes. we actually took that leadership group with into the band basement yeah and, and and the drummer had never played drums before the singer had never sung before the bass player had ne- and so and so and so and they stood there two months later playing two songs in front of their crowd and, and what we talked about in that leadership group was is it okay to make mistakes if we make mistakes, do we call it jazz and then just move on? Do we, is, that ins, is that inspirational? When do I give feedback? If I look at the drummer and I can see that he's really struggling over his head, is it now the time to give feedback? Uh, all, this, all the elements when it comes to collaboration and headroom, feedback, delegation, tempo, tact, all that was just exemplified in the band room. Perfect case. Uh, well, I hope you. I hope you're you're making room in the book uh, a chapter on on that case study right there because uh, I, I I could probably ask five or six questions off of that experience. So no, that's fantastic. So yes, please include that in the book. Play some jazz. Is uh, yeah. Actually, that's a that's a saying that I say from time to time. When you make mistakes, it's just jazz. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, of course, one of my one of my 
an improv principle that I, you know, I put in the book is there are no mistakes, right? There, 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 there are no mistakes. There's just unexpected outcomes, right? And that's yeah. there, that's your jazz right there. It's jazz. It's um, just jazz. And you, you're turning mistakes into into brilliance, into genius. Yeah. Um, well, Eric, thanks so much for your time. This is this has been fantastic, and uh, um, yeah, looking forward to the book. And of course, once that book comes out, uh, we'll make sure we we share it with the audience and, and let them know for sure. sure. I'll send you one. All right, I appreciate it. Well, have an excellent day, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. See you around. <laughs>